we'll have it after the message. Um, I was praying about it and wasn't sure, but it just seems good to do it then. Amen.
really you could forget. And just because you read the word in 1982, 83, 90, 92, 2002, 2012, whatever, doesn't mean that you know it today. You have to be in the word daily. And I know that there's some, like, how many times can I read Psalm 91 until you get it? And then once you get it, you can read it again because there are layers in the word of God. There are deep layers in the word. And the first few times you get it, you're only on the surface layer. And you can go deeper and deeper and deeper in the word. And besides that, scripture unlocks scripture. So you may need to know what's in Psalm 91 fresh now so that you can read something in Ephesians and understand it, right? You have to be in the Word. You can't just read scriptures on Facebook or Instagram or, or in church and then say you're good. You have to be in the Word of God every single day. I have to be in the Word every day, but you say, well, that's because you're a pastor. No, I have to be in the Word every day because I believe God. Because I'm a believer. Pastor Cindy, I don't really understand the Bible. That's because you don't read it. The more you read it, the more you'll understand it. Get yourself a, a New Living Translation if you really can't read the King James. But really, get, get reading the Word. Amen? Okay, praise God. God wants to do some great things in this church, and I'm super excited about the prophetic class that's coming up. Um, you know, this we believe that the power of God is for every believer, right? But in order to get to the power of God, you got to get in the presence of God, right? We've talked about responding to the Holy Spirit. We've talked about the presence of God in here many times. We, we had a healing school, I think it was two weeks ago. Man... The presence was so strong in here. We couldn't we couldn't do anything really except for worship. Because his presence was so so strong, right? The presence of God will always still you. Amen. It'll always still you. Keep you still, calm you down. The power of God will always stir you. It'll always stir up the gift of God in you and make you want to go and do something and, and prophesy and speak in tongues and heal the sick and raise the dead and cleanse the leper. But the presence of God will still you. So there's a stilling first. A be still and know that I am God first before you get to the power. You have to be still. Anytime you are operating in the power of God but you haven't been still, it may not be the power of God. It may be out of a human spirit. It may be out of a wrong spirit, out of their flesh. You know, you can work up anything. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, you can work up anything. We don't want things that are worked up in the flesh. We get bold. We get loud. That's true. But we also spend time in the presence. That's still sitting under the under the anointing and sitting under the word of God and letting letting ourselves minister to the Lord and then letting the Lord minister to us, right? Amen. That's what we do on Furnace Fridays here. And I don't want the furnace to go out, you guys. I know a lot of you guys aren't coming to Furnace Friday. This week, only I showed up. Only I showed up to seek God here as a corporate body. And I was very, very sad. 
I mean, in a way, I was relieved because I could leave early and go home and do my own thing and seek God on my own. But it was sad. You know, there's a revival going on in Kentucky. The Asbury Revival. Tennessee, too. Tennessee, also. There should be a revival going on here. But unless we get hungry for the presence of God, it doesn't matter how hungry we are for the power. Do you understand what I'm saying? Unless we get hungry enough for the presence of God to be still and know that he is God, it doesn't matter how hungry we are for the power of God. You will never have the power without the presence. But if you have the presence, you will always have the power. Does that make sense? So we want to make sure that as a church, and I know some of you are busy or you're working and you can't make it, and I understand that. But as a church, we need to come together and sit. I know there's music playing, but you just sit and bring your Bible, write your notes, just sit in the presence of God. Because what's going to happen is as we're doing that corporately, that is going to infiltrate into every service that we have. But not just our services, but when we're out in public and we're, we're ministering to people or sharing the gospel at Walmart or Target or wherever you shop, even at the gas pump, you're starting to share the gospel, that presence and that power that you received here as a corporate body at the furnace, you're going to be able to distribute everywhere. Amen? Amen. God says, what you do in private, I'll reward you in public. Right? You should be seeking God on your own at home. If you're not, you really need to be here. But even if you are, come as a corporate body. Furnace Friday is only an hour. It's Friday morning from 9 to 10. And like I said, I understand if you can't make it, that's not a problem. But if you can make it, be here. Amen? Amen. You're only responsible for what you can do. And I don't know. You don't have to tell me why you're not here. As your pastor, like I don't necessarily need to know why you're not here. I might wonder, but I don't have to know. But God knows why you're not here. He knows if you're slacking off, right? He does. He knows if I'm slacking off. He knows what we're doing. He knows if you're working. He knows if you really can't be here. But we want to make sure that we're going hard after the presence of God. Yes. Does it make sense? There should be a revival in this church by now. There should be. With the power and the presence that has been here on a regular basis, there should be that revival happening here. And there will be when we get hungry for the presence. When we put the word first place, when we start seeking God's face, the psalm says, God, you told me to seek your face, and your face I will seek. It's not like, God, you told me to seek your face, and I'll get to it later. Right? But we need to be seeking the face of God. Amen. Every day, not just on Furnace Friday. Every day we need to be seeking the face of God. Furnace Friday is just a way to do it together as a body. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. I know you guys have other things to do. I'm not, I'm not trying to make you feel guilty at all. Don't, don't go there. Amen? Amen? But if it's a correction to you, take a correction and be happy that God loves you enough to correct you. Amen? Amen? If it's not a correction, and you, then don't worry about it. I don't want anyone feeling guilty about it. Say, I will not feel guilty. I will not feel guilty. Amen. But, nevertheless, here's what our church is doing.
And if you can be here on Furnace Friday, you need to be here. Amen? You need to be here as often as you can. And it's not just because we want butts and seats and we want a big church. That's not it. It's because God has something for you personally. He's pouring out his presence. I wish that all of you were in healing school that day, that his presence just came and, and sat on us. And all we could do was just worship. That's it. That's all we could do. I wish we never stopped that, right? But we'll get there. But we need to all seek his face. There's a lot of things that are pressing, and I, as, as a regular, natural woman, I understand that. Family things, commitments, or whatever, I get that. But let's make sure we're seeking his face first, amen? And even if you can't make it on Friday or Wednesday, at least seek his face first at your house. Amen? At least. And seek his face first every day. Every day. Every day. The first thing when you wake up, and if you say, Pastor Cindy, I can't wake up that early, I don't care what time you wake up. When you wake up, seek his face first. Amen? Find him first. Ask him, what am I doing today, God? What do I need to cancel? What do I need to create? What do I need to do in order that I can follow your will for my life perfectly? Amen? Amen. Praise God. Okay, so today we're going to talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I'm not going to talk about all of them. I've taught this several times over the past few years. Um, if you don't know or haven't heard me teach on it, you can definitely get it on YouTube. But I want to talk today about two gifts of the Holy Spirit in particular, the discerning of spirits and prophecy. And we'll see how far we get and we'll finish up next week. But I want to get this out to you before the prophetic class because it's going to help you. It's going to lay a foundation for you so that you can understand what you're learning in the prophetic class. How many are signed up to go to that class? Praise the Lord. Look at this. Look how hungry we are as a church. Amen. This is good news for us. Amen. I know not everybody can go. If you are there any scholarships left? Do you know there are? How many do you know? It's okay if you don't. Okay, so there's two scholarships left. If you're not signed up because of finances and you want to go, will you see Rini today? There's two scholarships left. That means two people want to go but can't afford it, but God has already paid your way. Who, who are those? Do you want to go but can't afford it? There's two scholarships left. There's one right here. Marla's going to take that. There's one other scholarship left. So if you want to go and you can't afford it, you see Rini as soon as possible. Amen? Amen. Okay, discerning of spirits. So let me go back here. The gifts of the Holy Spirit, there's nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. And uh, there's the vocal gifts, which are tongues, interpretation, and prophecy. There's the revelation gifts, which are word of knowledge, word of wisdom, and prop. Oh, I'm sorry. Tongue. What did I do here? Discerning of spirits. That's what I did. Okay. Revelation gifts are word of knowledge, word of wisdom, and discerning of spirits. And the power gifts, which are faith, the gift of faith, the gift of healing, and the gift of miracles. Amen? Amen. So those are in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 which we'll read about, and then we're going to talk about the discerning of spirits, and hopefully we'll get to some prophecy today, too, because it's important. Um, 
let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Father, thank you for your goodness today. Thank you, God, that you help us receive everything that your word has for us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that we put your word first place so that we are not deceived. Yes. Amen. This is now in verse 1. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. Ye know that you were Gentiles carried away unto these dumb idols, even as you were led. That means they couldn't speak, but they're also dumb, so it kind of works both ways, right? These dumb idols, even as you were led. Wherefore, I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and that no man can say that Jesus is Lord but by the Holy Ghost. I want to clear this up for you. You know, anybody can work up anything. Even a pagan can say that Jesus is Lord, but they don't mean it in their heart. Do you understand what I'm saying? Even, <laughs> even a pagan can speak in tongues or pretend to. Yep. Right? It's yep. not by the Holy Spirit. It's by a wrong spirit, but they can pretend to. Wherever there is a real, there is always a counterfeit. Okay? Wherever there's something real in the Bible, an experience from God, something that God has for his believers, Satan is over there counterfeiting it to the best of his ability. For example, God tells us not to be drunk with wine, but be drunk in the Holy Spirit. Being drunk with liquor is a counterfeit to being drunk in the Holy Spirit. So you may have a propensity to want to go and get drunk, but really you don't want to get, if you're born again, it's not to get drunk on alcohol. It's to pray in the Holy Ghost until you get drunk in the Spirit. Right? Amen. There's a, wherever there's a real, there's also a counterfeit. Um, in prophecy, there's a real, there's a real office of a prophet, and then there's a real gift of prophecy, and then in the counterfeit, there's um, fortune-telling, astrology. Think people are seeking words, or people are giving words by a wrong spirit. If you've ever had, if you've ever been to a fortune teller, uh, you need to repent from that. You need to, you need to destroy everything that has to do with that, because that's not the spirit of God. Right? If you work in tarot cards or a Ouija board or anything like that, those are not from God. They're wrong spirits operating behind those things to foretell something. Or And that's that's the opposite of what we're going to learn in the prophecy class, right? Because yeah. it's, it's, kind, it's the counterfeit, right? And we don't want the word the counterfeit or the satanic counterfeit. We want the real things of the kingdom of God. Amen? Amen. How are you going to be able to discern between those things by the word of God? What does the word say about discerning of spirits? What does the word say about prophecy? So we've got to talk about discerning of spirits so that you understand what the gift of discerning of spirits is and how to operate in that so that as we move into more prophecy and prophetic, you can rightly divide and rightly judge. Because even a good person who has been, you know, is coming up in the word, a good Christian can one day speak by the spirit of God and the next day speak by some other spirit or out of their flesh. And discerning of spirits is going to help you discern that. You're going to know what spirit is behind the operation. So the discerning of spirits is given to us to avoid deception. It is the most needed gift in the body of Christ, but it is also the most neglected gift. 
Christians like to just take whatever looks good and say, well, that looks good. That must be from God. Well, not necessarily, right? That's why we got to have the word. Um, in Matthew chapter 24, um, actually, let me finish reading about the gifts of the Holy Spirit and then we'll go there. Or in verse 4 of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Now there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are differences of administration, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of operations, but it is the same God which worketh all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. The manifestation of the gifts of the Spirit are given to every single believer. And it is for the profit of all. It's not just for the profit of one. Amen. Amen. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another the gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, and to another diverse kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues, but all these, all these gifts, worketh that one and the selfsame spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. That means the Holy Spirit is working in the body of Christ here at Parish Christian Church and at large, and he's dividing the gifts up to every man severally. That means you're going to have more than one gift in operation in your life, right? Praise God. But it's as he wills. That means one day he might give you the word of knowledge and the word of wisdom and the gift of faith and the working of miracles, right? And then the next day he might need to give you or the next situation the tongues and interpretation of tongues. And another time he might give you the gift of prophecy, right? It's as the Holy Spirit wills, right? So you can't conjure that up. You can be available for it. You can yield to the Holy Spirit, but you cannot conjure up a true manifestation of the Holy Spirit of the living God. Amen? You can submit to God, resist the devil. You can yield to the Holy Spirit instead of a wrong spirit or instead of your flesh, and you can make yourself available, but you're not going to have a word for every single person every single time. If somebody always has a word for you, I would say that's a red flag. Yeah. It's a red flag. If somebody is always giving you a word, well, this is what the word, this is what the Lord told me to tell you today. This is what the Lord told me to tell you today. You know what? Cut that off. Because the truth is, every born-again believer has the Holy Spirit of the living God on the inside of them, and they need to hear God for themselves. Amen. You need to hear God for yourself. Amen. When somebody does give you, I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but when somebody does give you a word of prophecy, if it doesn't line up with what God is already telling you on the inside, shelf it. Amen. What do I mean by shelf it? Put it on the shelf. And leave it there until God speaks to you personally from the inside. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Everyone say, put it on the shelf, on shelf. and leave it there, leave it there. Until, God until God speaks to me personally from the inside. Amen. We're not going to be deceived because we're going to grow up in this. Amen? Okay, so let's turn to Matthew 24. And verse 24. 
and you're going to be duped because you're going to follow the power instead of the presence. Right. We need to make sure that we follow the presence instead of the power. There will be power. We believe that the power of God is for every believer. The kingdom of God is inside you. You, as a regular Joe believer, you should be able to work signs and miracles and wonders. And if you're not there yet, you need to get there, and you'll get there through the word of God. All of us need to be able to do that. Every single one of us need to be able to pray for someone or ourselves and receive the miracle that we are believing God for, every single one of us. And if you're not there, you need to get there, and you'll get there by reading the word, by seeking God's face, by being in his presence, you will get the power. But if you just seek the power and not the presence, you can be easily misled. You can be shipwrecked. And like Ryan said, God will let you. If you don't want to pick up his word and read it, he'll let you not. There's freedom to succeed because there's freedom to fail. If there wasn't freedom to fail, we wouldn't truly be free to seek God's word. There's freedom to fail in the spirit. And this is one of the most scary things, you guys. This is one thing that just sends my heart to its knees weeping for this church. For people who won't read the word of God, for people who won't take the things of God seriously, there is freedom to fail spiritually. That's scary. Why is there freedom to fail spiritually? Because there's true freedom to seek God out of a willing heart. If this was mandatory, it wouldn't be from a willing heart. Does it make sense? That's what makes it so scary. Some days I wish that God would just say, it's mandatory, compulsory, you you have to read the word. But he won't do that. He says, if you love me, keep my commands. If you love me, abide in me, abide in my word. If you love me. He doesn't say we have to. Which to me is scary. I know myself, that's scary. I have to, not only do I have to make myself when I don't want to, I have to choose to want to. Does it make sense? And you do too. So in the last days, there's going to be false Christs and false prophets and signs and wonders following those things. In so much that if it were possible, it would deceive even the very elect. That means the people who really know the word of God, if it were possible, it would deceive them. What is the deciding factor, whether it's possible to deceive you or not? The word of God. That is the deciding factor. There will be a great falling away. There has already been a a big falling away. And I'm assuming that there will be even more people falling away because of these lying signs and lying wonders. How are you going to know what sign and wonder is from God and what sign and wonder isn't? The word of God. Listen, it doesn't take much for Satan to show a miracle. Uh-uh. I don't know if I can go here, but I think I can. Go. It doesn't take much for Satan to show a miracle, even a miraculous healing. Because Satan is the one oppressing the person that's sick. And all he has to do is go like this. Take his hands off. That's all he has to do. And then, boom, a miracle manifests. Why? Why? Because God has already healed us 2,000 years ago. 
And if you don't know that you're already healed, that you're already prosperous, that you're already glorious, if you don't understand that we are coming from a place of having it already happen, then you're going to be deceived by the lying signs and wonders. You're going to say, oh, that person has the power because they prayed for me or they spoke a word over me and I got healed. No, you were healed 2,000 years ago. All Satan did was to take his hand off of you. That's why we have to understand the word, right? So discerning the gift of discerning of spirits, it will help you because it will make a clear, a clear distinction between spirits, a clear discrimination. What spirit is behind what's going on? What spirit is behind the message? What spirit is behind the, the miracle, the operation? It's not your intellect. You can't just know in your head, well, you know, this is what I think. That's not the gift of discerning of spirits. And quite frankly, who cares what you think? What does the word say? What does the inward witness of the Holy Spirit on the inside say? You know what I'm saying? That's what's important. It's not our thoughts that are important. Right. If our thoughts were important, we'd be just like the world. Yeah. You know, there's a big there's a big deception in the body of Christ that say, well, you know, I, I know it in my head, I just need to get it to my heart. Do you know that that's unscriptural? It's 100% backwards. When you were born again, God said, I will put a new spirit in you. I will give you a new heart. I will write my word on your heart. Your heart knows it. And then the Bible goes on talking about you need to renew your mind. You, you are transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's not your heart that's the problem, believers. If you're not saved, your heart is the problem. But so is your mind. But if you're saved, it's not your heart that's the problem. You have to renew your mind. This is where believers get mixed up. They say, well, I know that. I don't have to read that again. I read that as if it's some fictional story. But the word of God will transform your mind, and then your heart and mind will come into one, into agreement through the word of God, and then you'll be able to receive anything from the Lord. But it's all about renewing your mind. A hundred percent. A hundred percent about renewing your mind. You've got to get to a place where you are fully persuaded that what God promised he can perform. Amen. And if you're not fully persuaded, then you haven't read the word enough. Right. You just haven't. There's no scriptural basis for I know that already, I don't have to read the word. There's a scriptural basis for... You may think you know, but knowledge puffs up, and you need to humble yourself and get in the Word. Amen? Yeah. This is how we're going to know. Anyone who tells me they know it already, whew, I know you're headed for disaster. I don't always correct people because if you argue with a fool, you get lashes, and some days I can't handle the lashes. I'm serious. I'm serious. That's what Proverbs said. If you argue with a fool, you get lashes. And if I'm struggling,
direction yourself. Amen? Amen. It's not that I don't love you, but maybe I just got a bunch of lashes from someone else and I just need to get some healing, right? It's okay. Are we okay today? Yes. This is a good word. That's excellent. This is a fun word. Yeah. This is a fun word because what it's going to do is it's going to set you on the right path. It's going to set you up for success in the things that pertain to the Holy Spirit. It's going to stop you from going the wrong way. Amen? Amen. So I'm just going to read what I have here. The distinguishing uh, between spirits is a supernatural insight into the realm of the spirit world. It reveals the type of spirit or spirits behind a person, a situation, an action, or a message. It is a knowing in your spirit which comes by supernatural revelation <laughs> concerning the source, the nature, or the activity of any spirit. It will make a clear discrimination and identify the presence of a spirit. By the operating in this gift, we will identify a few things. We will identify the presence of God. Maybe you say, Pastor Cindy, I've never felt the presence of God. That's because you don't understand discerning the spirits. It's not just for evil spirits, right? It's also for knowing when the presence of God is here. That's good. The presence and function of the Holy Spirit. You know, sometimes people think that in their mind, they think that the Holy Spirit is going to do a certain thing in the service. And then it doesn't happen. Mm. Because you're not discerning the presence and the function of the Holy Spirit in that service. you got to get the discerning of spirits here. The presence and function of holy angels, the nature of a human spirit, right? The presence of Satan, of course, and the presence and function of evil spirits. The gift of discerning of spirits is not the gift of suspicion. <laughs> suspicion comes from your intellect. Well, I just think that they, okay, you think that. But that's not the gift of discerning of spirits. Discerning of spirits is a supernatural revelation. You could not know it by natural means. You could not know what's going on by natural means. Sometimes somebody comes in and they just start like sideways or you deal with somebody and they're just kind of sideways and you can see that there's a wrong spirit on them, right? That's not necessarily a supernatural revelation. That is, you can see with their natural eyes, their body is contorted, their speech is bad. You can tell there's something evil going on, right? You walk into a room and you just feel the negativity, like after somebody argues or something like that. That's just your natural being able to discern. That's good. Don't ignore it, right? But that's not the discerning of spirits. The gift of the discerning of spirits is a supernatural revelation. In other words, everything looks good, but the Holy Spirit's not in it. Everything looks amazing, but there's no presence there. Maybe there's power, but there's not any presence of God, right? Like, you can discern that through the gift of discerning the spirits. And be correctable about that, Amen. When you're learning how to operate in the gift of discerning of spirits, be correctable by the word of God. If the word of God says, hey, that was the Holy Spirit, then be correctable because we never want to speak against something that is of God. Amen. Because if you start speaking against the Holy Spirit, it disqualifies you for what's going on. 
Like when people are falling out under the power or people are laughing, and I know we have that happen a lot in here, at least in some of our other services. Don't speak against it if you don't understand it. Amen. Just say, okay, that happened. God, I need you to help show me if this is from you or not. Amen. And God will show you in the scriptures why those things happen. Or maybe he'll have me preach about it, or maybe you can make an appointment and we'll talk about it. Okay? But don't speak against something that could be the Holy Spirit, right? But don't just jump in if you don't know. Can I say that? Like, really, like the Holy Spirit doesn't expect you to jump if you don't understand. If he hasn't talked to you about it, if you don't know where it is in the word, if it's new to you, it's okay to sit there and just pray in the spirit. You, you can ask God, God, I want to participate in this, but I don't know if it's you. And I don't want to miss what you have for me, but I also don't want to be off in the ditch. And you know God will help you. He'll give you that gift of discerning of spirits, and he'll let you know. You know, one time we were having a meeting, and somebody started doing something like manifesting something during when the presence of God was getting really strong. And I didn't know if what they were manifesting was the presence of God or not. So all I did was I prayed, and I walked over, and the closer I got to them, the more I could feel the Holy Spirit. And I was like, you know what, God, thank you. And since then, I've seen the fruit of it, and it's been amazing, right? There's a way to judge the, what spirit is behind something. So the discerning of spirits, it's not from your intellect, it's not your mind, it's not your thoughts. And it's not the gift of suspicion. Amen? Amen. Amen. Um, the purpose of it, of the discerning of spirits, is so that bound saints and people can be delivered, right? Not, I'm not talking about casting out demons out of saints. I want to tell you this. A spirit-filled Christian cannot be possessed by the enemy. Amen. Cannot be. Amen. The, the word of God says in Ephesians that you are sealed with the Holy Spirit Amen. of promise. Right. Now, a spirit-filled Christian can be demonized to the extent that they let them. But if you think about our position, position we are seated at the right hand of God. Far above all principality and power and might and every name that can be named, not only in this world, but also in the one to come. So can an evil spirit be sitting at the right hand of God? No. Are you sure? Yes. Then a spirit-filled person cannot be possessed by a demon. Amen. You can have a demon operating in your life through your sin that you open the door to the enemy because Romans 6.16 says, to whom you yield your members to obey, his servants you are, whether sin unto death or obedience unto righteousness. They can put sickness on you, they can oppress you, they can hurt you if you let them. But you have the power in yourself to deliver yourself from that Amen. if you are born again. If you're not born again, you don't have the power to do that. But if you are born again, you have the power in yourself to say, enough is enough, Satan. Get out of my life. Amen. And if you know you've opened the door to the enemy, close it. Amen. Just close it. It's not that hard. If you were in your house, in your own house, and all your windows were open, and all your doors were open for fresh air, and all of a sudden the rain started pouring in your house, what would you do? 
Are you sure you would close the window or would you call a friend and say, you know what? My house is open and I need help closing this door. I guarantee you I'm not coming to your house to close your windows. That's your responsibility. Same as it in the spirit, it's your responsibility to close the door to sin. To close the door to the evil that you have let in. You need to close those doors, right? Amen. Okay, so... Spirits of deception, First uh, Timothy four one through uh, verses one and two says it's First Timothy four verses one and two. It says now the Spirit speaks expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. Basically, giving heed to seducing spirits. What is a seducing spirit? It's not just a spirit that will lead you into lust. It's anything that is tempting you and talking to your flesh and your feelings and trying to pull you out of the word of God and into an experience. Everybody wants feathers and gold dust, right? And that's really cool, right? And there is a real. There is a real. It does happen. Angels do flow and fly through and feathers can fall and gold dust can fall. There is a real. There is a real. Everybody wants that experience, right? But if you're seeking the spectacular, you're going to miss the supernatural and you're going to follow the power instead of presence and you're going to fall away and you're going to be shipwrecked. Don't do that. Follow the presence of God, the word of God. The presence and the word are one. Amen. They never are divided. Never. In fact, it is the word, the anointed word of God that we speak. It's literally the landing strip for the Holy Spirit. It's not the landing strip for other spirits. But it's the landing strip for the Holy Spirit. If you think about an airport and you just think about the runway, that's the word of God. And if the plane is coming in and that's the Holy Spirit, where is it going to land? On the runway. Why? Because it's the proper place for it to land. Remember when Jesus was baptized and he came up from the water and the Holy Spirit descended on him as a dove? That's a picture of that. You have to have the word of God to have the Holy Spirit manifesting in your life. You can stay out of the word and be in the world and have other spirits operating and trying to fake you out and make you think it's the power of God. But don't be deceived. You have to have the word of God for the Holy Spirit to land. If you're not, if you want to be used in prophecy and you want to make sure you know that you're not doing it wrong or whatever, you need to understand what the word of God says about prophecy. And you need to be correctable. Nobody likes to be corrected. I know that, but it's okay. You just have to be correctable. In 2 Timothy verse or chapter 3 and verse 13, we'll read that. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 13 says, Speaking lies, oh, sorry, but evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, Deceiving and being deceived. That's, it'll grow.
grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Go ahead and go to verse 14. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and has been assured of, knowing whom thou hast learned them. Go ahead. Uh, from whom, sorry. And that from a child you have known what? The Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Jesus Christ, or in Christ Jesus. What is going to help you understand who is a deceiver waxing worse and worse, and what is from the Holy Spirit? The Word of God. The Holy Scriptures that you already know. And if you don't already know them because you haven't been in the Word, guess what you get to do this week? Get in the Word. And if you do already know them because you've been in the Word, guess what you get to do this week? Get in the Word. <laughs> Read them again. Fortify yourself. Understand what the Word of God says. Let's go to 1 John chapter 4. Whew. Is this good? Yes. Is blessing you? I'm just trying to help because we want... We want all of the gifts of the Spirit in manifestation in this church. Yes. Right? And when you have the gifts of the Spirit in operation, and I've heard this from so many pastors and teachers that have been like in full operation of the gifts, they say that you get some crazies. <laughs> if you want to have the real, you're going to get some crazy things. But guess what? We want the crazies to be the visitors and not you. Amen. Is that okay? Yeah. Can I say that? Amen. And we'll teach the crazies. Hey, this is how you operate under the Spirit of God. And this is how you don't operate under the Spirit of God, right? Some pastors boast that all other people live a perfect life. My boast is that you guys hear God. Amen. You know how you know the things of the Spirit. You know how to abide in the vine. You know how to hear the voice of God. That's my boast. Amen. That's what makes me happy. Okay, 1 John chapter 4, verse 1. We're going to do 1 through 3 and then uh, 4 through 6 also. It says, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Now this was written a long time ago. This was written like 70 AD. That's like 2000, almost, almost 2000 years ago. That is 2000 years ago. Almost 2000. Sorry, I can't math when people are looking at me. <laughs> it's almost 2000 years ago. Beloved, believe not every spirit. Are you supposed to believe every spirit? No. no. Just because something supernatural happens, are you supposed to think, wow, that's God, let's get on board? No. No. You're supposed to try or test the spirits, whether they are of God. Do you think the Holy Spirit's going to get mad at you for a moment of, hey, is this the Holy Spirit or not? No. Not according to the word of God. And if anyone tells you any difference, run. Amen. Run. If somebody's mad at you for testing the spirits that they are of, that is not a place to be. That is not a place to be. I, when I preach, I expect you to have your word out, and I teach you how to test and try the spirits, because if for some reason I should speak from another spirit besides the Holy Spirit, and believe me, I endeavor not to, but if that should ever happen, I don't want you following that. 
Follow me as I follow Christ, not as I follow good teaching or as I follow a human spirit that looks good, but follow me as I follow Christ. Amen? Amen. I want you guys fortified and understanding how to test the spirits, how to say, this is from God, this is not from God. You have to be fortified in this, right? Amen. Thank you, Lord. Hereby you know the Spirit of God, every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that confesses not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of the Antichrist, whereof you have heard that it should come, and even now is already in the world. When did the Antichrist spirit enter the world? At least in 70 AD. It's already in the world. That means people are already being deceived and have already been being deceived for almost 2,000 years. Started in the garden. It's already been happening, right? Like we're not waiting for one thing to happen. People are already being deceived. There's already been a great falling away. Yeah. There have been many people that are following religions that don't agree that Jesus is the Christ. Take Mormonism, for example. Yeah. Oh my, right? Yeah. And they've got a big religion. Yeah, Man, those people are faithful. Yeah. They are. It's ridiculous how faithful they are. But many of them are lost. Many of them are going to faithful their way in religion all the way to hell. Yeah. And that is very, very sad. Because you have to believe that Jesus is the Christ. Right? Like you have to know that. You have to make Jesus your Lord and your Savior. Amen. And know that he's the Son of God and that God raised him from the dead. Amen. You have to know that. There's whole religions out there that encourage you to not read the scriptures. Why? Because they're based on an experience that doesn't line up with the scriptures. Mormonism is based on an experience. Yeah. A guy had a visitation. He probably thought it was God. He probably did. And his friends probably trusted him. But guess what they weren't doing? Trying the spirits. Testing the spirits. You can have a supernatural experience that's not from God. You have to test the spirits. You have to test them. We're too far into this thing to not do this, yeah. right? Absolutely. We're too far into this to not try the spirits and test the spirits. Yeah. It says in verse four, you are of God, little children, and have overcome them because greater is he, Jesus, that is in you than he that is in the world. They are of the world, therefore they speak of the world and the world hears them. We are of God. He that knows and hears us, he that knoweth God hears us, and he that is not of God hears us not. Hereby we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. You know, meekness is not weakness. Amen. I'm a meek person, but if I don't have a voice in your life, you're not going to hear my voice. And I'm not going to make myself bigger in the natural so that you'll hear my voice. 
if you don't choose to listen to my voice as your pastor, that's on you. But I speak by the Spirit of God. I don't speak by my own spirit. I didn't know from a little girl that I would be a pastor. I didn't know. I didn't know until after I graduated Bible college that I was going to pastor a church. I didn't even enter Bible college thinking I was going to be a pastor. I'm thick-headed sometimes. But I do speak by the Spirit of God. And I will not fight my way into your heart or your life or your mind or fight my way to have a voice in your life. If you want to believe something wrong, that's on you. That's between you and God. I'll give you counsel. I'll give you instruction. I will speak by the Spirit of God, which will always line up with the Word of God. And if it doesn't, then you need to throw it out. But I will endeavor to speak only by the word. But if I don't have a voice in your life, I won't speak. This is where I learned it, first of all, from the scriptures. But second of all, in practical experience, I was listening to Keith Moore, and he was talking about Kenneth Hagin, E. Hagin. And he said, people would make an appointment with Kenneth E. Hagin. And he made them, you know, 20 or 30 minute appointments. And he would have something to say to them by the Spirit of God. But they didn't stop talking. And they just talked and talked and talked and spent the whole time talking. And when the, when the time was up, he said, well, I have another appointment, but glad you came to see me. God bless you. And you know they missed it. Because they just wanted to tell Kenneth E. Hagin how much they knew. Right? And they didn't hear what he knew. They didn't hear what he was speaking by the Spirit of God. I'm not going to force my way to have a voice in your life. If I don't have a voice in your life, I don't have it. That's you. That's you. Have, you have to fix that. I can't fix it because you have a free will, right? And if God won't cross your free will, and he can, but he won't, then why should I try when I can't? Meekness is waiting until I have a voice in your life to speak the right word. It's waiting until you give me a place. If you don't give me a place... I'm not going to make it. I'm not going to take it. I know there's other pastors that will take it and they'll bully their way through and they'll push their way through. I am not that guy. I'm just not like that. I used to be like that a long time ago. I used to push my way through, but I gotta. I have the truth. I'm right, I'm right, I'm right. And I learned by the word of God and by the Holy Spirit that even when you're right, you can be wrong. Even when you know something, if you aren't, if you don't have love, you have nothing. No. If you don't allow people to be free, you're borderline on witchcraft. And we're not to have any part of witchcraft. Amen? Yeah. Okay, back to the discerning spirits. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, I'll try to wrap this up quickly, and then I guess we'll get into prophecy next week, although we did say stuff about prophecy so far. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 13 through 15. For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness. Right. Whose end shall be according to their works. 
Now, not every person who preaches the righteousness of God is a minister of Satan. But like I told you, where there is a real, there is a counterfeit. When you have somebody teaching you that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, that's true. But when they go on to say that there is no hell, that's the spirit of error. Amen. And people are transforming themselves into apostles of Christ, into saints that look like they are preaching the word of God because they have scripture for 98% of the stuff that they say, and then they tell you there's no scripture for this, but this is the truth. Run. Amen. Yeah. Run. Throw it out and run. And take it before God and get on your knees and say, God, show me the scripture that either supports this or goes against it. You know, I heard somebody preach righteousness and then say that hell is never mentioned in the New Testament. Or the Old Testament. And I said, God, is that right? I asked the Lord immediately. I went to a story that Jesus was telling about a rich man in hell. Yeah. There it is. What about the Old Testament? There it is. It's in the Old Testament. It's in the New Testament. They just didn't read their Bible. And that's the case with many people who hear a good message, itching ears, right? Yeah. Something that they want to agree with. Listen, I want there to be no hell too. And I'm sure God wants there to be no hell. Much more than me. Because even though hell was made for the devil and his angels, good people are going there. Because they refuse the Christ. Because they're deceived. People we may even know are going to be burning in hell for all eternity while we're up there in the glory of God. That should not be so. Yes, we want there to be no hell. Ever, I bet God wants there to be no hell. Nevertheless, this is the truth. There is a hell, and people will burn who don't accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. How do we know? The word of God tells us so. Don't be deceived by these false prophets. Don't be deceived by these people that are transforming themselves into a minister of life. Someone who looks good and smells good and sounds good. But if they don't have scripture for it, it's unscriptural. It's unscriptural. Even when someone says, well, I know it in my head, but I just got to get it to my heart. I don't care who says that. I don't care if Kenneth E. Hagin came back from the dead and said that. It's not scriptural. You have to let the word of God go above and beyond and be the deciding factor in your life. Now, we don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Maybe somebody's teaching is really good until it's not. Because they just don't know. They just haven't been taught. They haven't seen that revelation in the scripture, right? But if you have, and you do have scripture for it, don't throw out the scripture that you have to go by somebody else's experience. Right? Because experience isn't what's going to get you into heaven. And experiences are what's going to cause you to walk the walk and, and experience the life and the power of God. What's going to help you with that is the word of God. Amen. And letting that be the final authority. And with that, you will understand and you'll be able to not fall into these deceiving spirits. 
So um, I sent out a key for more teaching to some of you, um, particularly my elders and of course the board and a few other of you that um, I asked you to listen to before the prophetic class. Um, Rini, could you send that out to everybody on the list that goes to this church? Is that fine? Make sure you get that teaching from Rini. I want you to hear it before the, the start of class. It's going to help you. I, I don't believe anything is against what's going to be taught in the prophetic class, but the Word of God says that in the mouth of two or three witnesses shall every word be established, right? And we want to put a foundation there if there was not a foundation. And if there is already a foundation, we want to fortify that foundation so that God can build upon that. Amen? Amen. So we want you to hear that teaching. We want you to know it, hear it as many times as you need to. It's going to help you. It's by Keith Moore, and it's going to fortify you. And I want you to soak in that because it's going to help you, especially in prophecy. So um, I guess I'm kind of out of time here. But I want to say one thing about prophecy, and we'll get into this next week, I guess. Um, prophecy, the gift of prophecy is a spontaneous, everyone say spontaneous, spontaneous. Supernatural. supernatural, amen, and then I'll just say the rest, it's a spontaneous, supernatural, vocal expression of inspiration in a known tongue which strengthens, encourages, and comforts the body of Christ. The gift of prophecy goes beyond our natural intellect or reasoning, Okay. So it's not intellect. Prophecy is not intellect. That means you're not going to think up something at home and write it all out and then bring it in and say, here's a prophecy. That's not spontaneous. It's spontaneous in that moment, and that's probably for you. Right? Prophecy is spontaneous. The true gift of prophecy is spontaneous. And it goes beyond your intellect. That means you're not going to be thinking about it and deciding, well, you know, I saw this happen last week, and therefore I'm going to prophesy about it next week. Oh, dear. Uh. <laughs> I've seen that happen, you guys. I've seen that happen where something will happen and somebody doesn't agree with it, even though I know for sure it was the Holy Spirit, and then somebody else will come and try to prophesy to that person against what just happened in the Holy Ghost. That is not a word from God. That is not a word from God. You cannot do that. Just because you don't agree with a doctrine or what's going on does not mean that's your opportunity to say, I got a word from God and then prophesy against what you don't believe. Nine times out of ten, you don't believe it because you haven't read the scriptures. And besides that, God does not contradict himself. He doesn't. He's not going to have a supernatural altar call him and have somebody come up and speak against it. <coughs> if that person spoke against it, they're not speaking by the Spirit of God. Amen. Let's have discernment, right? Amen. Let's have discernment. Let's understand what the will of God is. Okay. I guess we'll close here. But we are to desire spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. And um, next week, I'm going to talk about the difference between the office of a prophet and a believer working in prophecy. That's really important for us to understand. There are modern-day prophets. They are called to be prophets, usually to a certain area, a city, a state, a nation, or the world. There are those people. Um, we know there are. We know they're getting words from God every day, and they're speaking out, and we're watching the things that they say come to pass, right? Like, there's some really good prophets out there. Right. But there are also people that are 
wanting to be a prophet, and they're not, right? And we have to have that discernment to decide, if our, is this the spirit of God or not the spirit of God? You know, when right around the election time, we saw a sharp increase in people trying to operate in the office of a prophet. And very few of those people are still operating because most of them were not from God. But some of them were from God and are from God, and we need to be able to tell the difference so that in the beginning, we can follow the right ones. Amen? Yes. So that in the beginning, we can hear the right ones. And I'll talk about seven steps to judging prophecy. And one of them is, does it line up with the word? One of them is, does it bear witness with the Holy Spirit inside you? One of them is, does it lead you toward God or away from God? Like these things we can talk about in, in uh, next week, and we'll be able to do that. So we're going to have communion. I'm so sorry we're running so late. I feel like I still have a thousand things to say. Um, Diana, would you come up here? Oh, yeah, we need to have communion. Diana's going to lead us in communion. If you have to go, I understand it. Grab your communion and head out. But um, if you want to take communion as a body, then come on up here. Then uh, come on and take communion with us. So after that, I'm only going to speak the word. Right. Exactly. Okay. So. The word says, I have come that you may have and enjoy life, and that you shall have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. And that word is Zoe, life. That's the life that Jesus brought us. He says, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He has laid down his life for you to not only go to heaven, to have perfect health, to have harmony in your life, to experience all the things that Jesus has brought to this earth. It belongs to you, and we're going to celebrate him in just a moment. Thanks, God. In Isaiah, as it goes through all the things that Jesus did, we're just going to go through these briefly. He took every sickness, every disease, every weakness. He carried the sorrows, the punishment of the chastisement for our peace. We can walk in peace on a daily basis because he took care of that. He was wounded for every transgression. He was bruised for the guilt and the iniquities and the chastisement of peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are made whole. And when we ran away, he took that guilt and washed it away. And he was crushed on the cross for your complete salvation. And not one thing was left out. Not one thing. So this is the thing that I got right here. The Lord God is our shepherd. He feeds, leads, and guides us and shields us. And we shall not lack any good thing. He makes us to lie down in the fresh tender green pastures and he leads us beside the still and restful waters. He refreshes restores our own life. He leads us in the paths of righteousness, uprightness and right standing with him. 
not by us earning it, Amen. but for his name's sake. Yes, I walk through the deep, sunless valley of the shadow of death, but I will not fear or dread any evil, for he is our protector. He is our rod, our staff, and he comforts us. He prepares a table before us in the presence of any type of enemy. Sickness, death, loneliness. He has prepared a table before us. He anoints our head with fresh oil and our cup is brimming over so we can touch everybody else with salvation. Surely only goodness and mercy and unfailing love shall follow us all the days of our life, throughout the length of our days, in the house of the Lord. His presence is our dwelling place. Amen. Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the promised, expected deliverer, our Savior and Redeemer. Lord Jesus we are here to honor what you did for us on the cross. It was not easy. And I know it was painful. We know that. The human body that took every sin away. And the blood that sealed the covenant. Belonged to us through your son, Jesus Christ. So we're going to take the bread. Ever 
flowing fountain. Hallelujah. And notification that we get to come to heaven, live with you forever. Yes. Because of what you did for us. The blood that took away every sin and sealed the covenant. Take and drink of your Savior, Jesus Christ, the Lord God Almighty, the Messiah, our expected King. Thank you, Lord.
Thank you, Lord Jesus, that this week we will be communing with you every day in your word. Yes. As you cover us with your wings and you protect us as we go on this journey, we recognize, proclaim your death until you come. Yes. And we will be back here safe all throughout the week. Yes. Pastor said. And in Jesus Christ's name, you are dismissed with a blessing, a surprise, a kiss, and a, and a revelation. Amen. Amen.